0: Well, good morning, everyone. Bring you greetings in Jesus' name. Thought about welcoming the visitors here, but I'm not sure that we have any. <laughs> We're glad Lee and Grace are here again. <clears throat> Invite your attention to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. So I'm sure it's very familiar, and probably some of you could say it by memory. But, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus was telling the people in this passage the way to the most fulfilling life. All these things he begins with blessed. That means the way to be happy supremely fortunate we could say blessed are the poor in spirit and on it goes as we look at what he was saying was blessed it's the opposite of what our natural mind would think in almost every case we would think the people that are um, well it says blessed are the poor in spirit the people that are proud and have everything going for them and are whatever Blessed are them they that mourn. Blessed are the happy is what we would think. But Jesus is speaking the truth here. <clears throat> yeah, we would think that the way to be happy is the natural mind does. Be assertive. Have the best and the most. Be popular. Be proud. Having lots of laughter. Feeding the flesh. Being able to fight back and make our own way in the world. That's the world's idea of happiness. There's a story about a man that was a thief. And one night he successfully gained entry into a jewelry store without being caught. And then he did a very strange thing. He had no bag to put anything in. He didn't take anything out of the store. But he went and switched price tags the expensive jewelry, he took the price tag off and put it on the cheap and put the cheap price tag on the expensive ones and did that to a bunch of different things. And then he got out of the store again and nobody found it out. Next morning, he was their first customer and he went and bought all these cheap things that were really very valuable. And the people in the store were all happy for this good customer that bought a lot of stuff. But he was a thief. He switched price tags. And the reason I say that is because there is a thief around today that is switching price tags, and he is the devil. And he makes us think that these things that Jesus listed are worthless. But instead, the world's idea of happiness, you know, be assertive, have the best and the most, that's what's valuable. And he is still switching price tags today, even perhaps in our lives. As Christians that go to church and know the Bible, you know, we know what true value is. We know that this is what's most valuable. But even so, we need to be on guard because there's always those temptations to let the flesh have its way, to promote things that lift us up. In so many Sneaky ways, we might say, that we need to always be on guard and truly accept what Christ has said here is the most blessed way. Now, I'm not going to talk about all these Beatitudes, but rather I want to take verse 5 and put that under a microscope and see what we can find. I'll have to admit that I was kind of surprised by what I found when I looked at this closely, um meekness is perhaps a little more difficult to explain than some of the others you know we want to know what it means to be mournful we know what it means to be merciful but meekness what does that mean how do we describe meekness as i was uh, going through this it almost seemed like Meekness maybe encompasses almost all the other Beatitudes. We could put them all in that one verse there, Blessed are the meek. Um, the definition of meek, according to the Webster Dictionary in the Bible, <clears throat> first of all, in, uh, it comes from a Hebrew word which means to melt. Does that make sense? Meekness means to melt, become small in our own eyes, and not resisting the forces around us. Mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated, yielding, given to forbearance under injuries, appropriately appropriately humble in an evangelistic, evangelical sense. Submissive to the divine will. Not proud, self-sufficient, or obstinate. Not peevish and apt to complain of divine dispensations. In other words, not complaining about our lot in life. It's a combination of many godly attributes, like I said before. In fact, it could almost be interchanged with love. If we would... I want to read some of the verses in 1 Corinthians 13 and put meekness in there. Meekness suffereth long and is kind. Meekness envieth not. Meekness vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Meekness doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Meekness rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So you get the idea of how important meekness is in our lives. Can almost be interchanged with love. Another way I thought of we could describe meekness is, it's like a wild horse that. When it was wild, it went its own way. It did whatever it wanted to do. It ran wherever it wanted to go. It only obeyed its own wild nature. It bucked and kicked and fought against all restraint. There was nothing that it would yield itself to. It was wild. But one day that horse was caught and trained. And it had a good trainer. And it was able to convince that horse to obey it. <clears throat> and now that it has been trained, it waits quietly for a command from the master, just standing there quietly. It no longer runs when it's scared. It trusts the master that the master knows what it's, what's going on. It willingly follows the master wherever he leads it. It is now a useful horse and it's the same horse it was it has the same strength it can run just as fast it can kick just as hard but it's completely different that's how meekness works in our lives it doesn't mean that we can't do anything or can't think on our own but it's that that has all been brought under the to obedience of christ <clears throat> our will under god's complete control waiting and ready Are we waiting on God or do we run ahead from Him? No resisting or murmuring. Calmly trusting the Master through difficult situations instead of choosing our own way. That's a challenge for me in thinking of a horse yielding to his Master. Is that the way I yield to to God? There's a verse in James 1.21. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. To me, that's an example of a horse standing there waiting, receiving commandment from its master. Are we receiving with meekness the engrafted word? Saying, Lord, you have complete authority in my life to tell me whatever you want. to also think of an example in Acts. Cornelius was a centurion that had a hundred people under him that he gave commands to. He was a man in authority. But he was seeking God and God gave him some direction. And so he sent for Peter and this is what he told Peter when he came. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Such a beautiful picture of this whole household sitting there waiting to hear what God has for them. You know, we don't necessarily think of him as a meek man, but that's what meekness is willing to listen to God. And then Jesus said in Matthew eleven, twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And thinking of the life of Christ and how he displayed his meekness, what was his overriding um, goal in life, you might say? What did he live for each day? We read it numerous times. In John 6.38 it says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I believe that is the meekness of Christ that he was talking about. Part of it. There was also some other things involved too. Some other ways of relating to men, but that was his meekness toward God. Even though he was equal with God, he was willing to do the will of God. And then also in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of, the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Meekness means accepting whatever God has for us in life without fretting or complaining, even if it's a difficult thing, but rather with thankfulness. God, you are in control and you know what's best for me. That's how our meekness with God is worked out. But there's also an aspect of meekness toward men. Kind of like two different aspects of meekness. But you can't have one without the other. We can't be meek toward men and not meek toward God. Nor can we be the other way around. Toward God it is unquestioning obedience, like I said before. Accepting God's will in everything knowing that he has complete authority in our lives. That's not the way it is toward men. Toward men it is, uh, well, I have a list of a bunch of different things here. Acknowledging and accepting authority in our lives. Realizing that there are people that have authority in our lives. And I think everybody could say that. It doesn't matter what your position is in life, there's authorities over us. Being willing to accept that and submit to that. In 1 Peter 5 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I like that middle phrase. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. If we truly have the attitude of meekness, that won't be a difficulty. All of you be subject one to another. another thing that meekness does for us is helps us to realize that all men have equal value before God regardless of their position here in this life all men have equal value before God sometimes as we observe people go to town or whatever and I suppose the people in Chicago saw this yesterday but Some people tend to, um, I don't know how to say, dress in ways that are repulsive to us. Colored hair and I don't know, all that kind of stuff. To us that's almost repulsive. But to realize that they have equal value before God as we do helps us to respond right. And I think that's a part of meekness. And we will also be willing to cheerfully share the blessings we have with others regardless of their lot in life. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. There are times that we find ourselves in prosperity or honor in this life Meekness will keep us humble, will keep us from lifting ourselves up because of things that have come to us, keep us from considering ourselves better or smarter than others. And also will help us remember that all our possessions are gifts from God. They are not given to us as a reward for our value before God because we are worth more than other people. It's just a gift from God. And we need to humbly use them for His glory. But there's also times when we come into adversity. Meekness will help us to be content with our condition. Rather than fussing and fretting and complaining, meekness will help us be content. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And truly, as we look at the life of Paul, we can easily see that in his life. It will also keep us from envying those in a more pleasant situation <clears throat> than we are. And if we have a difficult lot in life, and other people seem like they have everything going for them, it's so easy to let a little bit of envy show up. Just in our hearts, we don't tell anybody that, but what are our thoughts like? But rather, we need to rejoice with them. Romans 12.15 says rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That verse has always been a challenge to me to be able to put that into practice in every situation. You know we can rejoice when somebody lower than us has good things come to us. Oh that's so good. Or if somebody that's our equal has something difficult in their lives that's so sad we can weep with them. But what if somebody that already has more than we do, has really good things come to them, lots of blessings, can we rejoice with them? Or what if they have something a little bit worse come to them, some misfortune? Ah, good, now it served him right. You know, it's easy to have those thoughts, but meekness doesn't allow us to do that. Meekness will also gladly accept help from others. Sometimes that's difficult for us to admit that we need help and be glad to acknowledge that we received help from this person or that person. Acknowledge it with thankfulness. Meekness will not retaliate for damages or offenses but return good for evil. Keep coals of fire on their head. Wow, meekness does a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Another verse that describes meekness and says what it does is 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear especially that last phrase, with meekness and fear. I think we talked about this Wednesday night, how we should answer those that have questions for us. Doing it in meekness would indicate a humble attitude rather than trying to corner them and prove that we are smarter than they are. Have a meek attitude. kind of goes along with um, James chapter 3 where it talks about wisdom that's from above. I want to read a couple of verses there. "'Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For this wisdom descendeth not from above,' But is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That first verse talks about the meekness of wisdom. The Bible has a different idea of wisdom than we often do. We think of a wise person as one that knows more than most people and is well able to explain it and can think things through, which tends to lift people up. But here it talks about the meekness of wisdom. I believe that true wisdom is always meek. If you don't have meekness with wisdom, you don't have true wisdom. If our wisdom causes strife, like it says in verse 16, then it's not godly wisdom. It says, uh, The wisdom that is not from above causes envying and strife and confusion and every evil work because we are smarter than everyone else and we want to make sure they know it. But true wisdom is always meek. Realizing that any wisdom that we have comes from God, it's not because we are smarter. The Bible also talks about a very meek man in the Old Testament. Moses, says, was the meekest man that was upon the earth. I think I'll read some verses in there. in Numbers 12. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So let's think of the scene there. Moses was standing there, and here come Aaron and Miriam. And they said, Moses, we think you're you're, uh, too bossy with your leadership. God can speak through us, too. And we're going to start taking charge in some of these areas. So you can just back down a little bit. And what did Moses do? It doesn't really say but I can imagine him just standing there looking at the ground and not saying anything. He had every right to say how great he was and what God had, how God had called him in the burning bush and said, you need to lead out the children of Israel and he could have explained that all to him. No, God, God told me to be in charge here and so you can just go back where you came from. But he didn't do that. He didn't say anything. And then in verse 4, And the Lord spake suddenly... Unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Moses let God take care of that situation, <clears throat> which I think is such an excellent example to us of meekness. Just turn it over to God and let God take care of this difficult situation and then as we read on Miriam became leprous and Aaron became scared he said oh we made a mistake please forgive us Moses and pray God to take care of this leprosy which was a clear different result than if Moses would have tried to take charge himself I'm sure that wouldn't have worked And it wasn't too long later, in number 16, four chapters later, it happened again. Uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram stood up, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. So what did Moses do this time? It says, and when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And there again, God took care of the situation. What an excellent example of meekness. He fell on his face. Can we do that when people bring a charge against us? That's not true. Can we fall on our face and say, God, did you hear that? <clears throat> Even though he was clearly chosen by God to lead the people, he never defended himself and his authority, but let God take care of it. What a challenge. There's many blessings that the Bible pronounces upon the meek, upon meekness. And it's kind of interesting because naturally thinking the meek are the ones that will be taken advantage of because they don't demand their rights. But as we look at the blessings, it looks like it's the meek that get all the blessings. <clears throat> Psalms, and almost all of them are in the Old Testament. Psalms twenty-two, twenty-six: 26, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek Him. Your heart shall live forever. Even though they don't stand up for their rights, and people might take things from them, it says, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. <clears throat> it's only when we stand before God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your will for my life, that he will guide us and show us the path of life? Psalms 149.4, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Only by meekness can we obtain salvation. Isaiah 11.4 But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. God will stand up and judge for the meek. Those that give up their rights, God's going to take care of it. Things are going to become equal eventually. Eventually. Even though it might not look like it in this life, things will be equal because God is a righteous judge. <clears throat> Isaiah twenty nine nineteen The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 61, 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. That's a prophecy of Christ preaching unto the meek. <clears throat> and Zephaniah 2:3 Seek ye the Lord with all seek ye the Lord all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Wow. <clears throat> if we allow meekness to be a part of our life, We will escape the judgment of the Lord. And then of course Matthew 5.5 Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I don't know for sure what all that means. There's also a verse in the Old Testament that says the same thing. The meek shall inherit the earth. One thing I'm sure of is that this promise is intended to give us strength to be meek. Which seems like kind of a Opposite thing there, strength to be meek. Knowing that God will greatly reward us. It's not that we're uh, um, going to be taken advantage of forever, but there will be a reward for the meek. In our natural mind, we would think that it's the aggressive people that will inherit, will possess the earth. The ones who are always um, trying to get their way and and taking advantage of people to get as much as they can. And I don't know if there's going to be a literal kingdom on earth. There are some people who feel that way, and I'm not sure one way or the other. If Jesus returns and establishes a literal kingdom on earth, the meek will definitely be part of it. And I believe that will be a fulfillment of this promise, <clears throat> if that happens. like to summarize the characteristics of a meek person. I don't know, I feel like I kind of jumped around and stuff. I don't know if you made sense of it. Maybe a summarization would help a little. First of all, meekness comes when we are convinced that God is for us and not against us. Sometimes in situations, it appears the opposite. It appears that God is not working for us. Bad things happen to us. I had to think of this woman that got her arm in the lawnmower, can she be convinced that God is for us and not against us in a situation like that? When we can be convinced of that, then we can relate to God in meekness. We can safely commit our way to God, knowing that He is trustworthy. He is a faithful God and He's trustworthy. Even though things look difficult, in meekness we can commit our way to God and we also realize that we are not sufficient in ourselves to make our own way in this world if we try to take our own way we just always mess up and it ends up in ruin but as we submit ourselves to God and allow meekness to have its way we will commit our way to God and then we will able to wait in quietness before God waiting for God to guide us and make his way plain just like that horse that's waiting quietly for commands from the master it will give us calmness in times of difficulties or opposition which will definitely come to us people will oppose us and make our life difficult It will help us to value all people, great or small, and live in humility before them. Important people, small children, it doesn't matter. They all have the same value before God and we will live in humility before them. Able also to return good for evil, knowing that God will avenge us. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. It's not for you because you would mess up. Because we are not an accurate judge of the evil that's committed against us. If something is committed against us, we tend to think it's way worse than it was. So let God take care of it. And it will also give us a clear vision of future rewards. We don't have to make our own way now because the future rewards are promised us. And we don't need to make our own way in life. Well, that's all I have, and I hope that will encourage us to allow meekness to have its way in our life and uh, help us to realize the far-reaching effects it has. Many, many uh, different uh, attributes come into meekness.